With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Davis, Jeff Lupiton, Jim McCants, Lisa Wolf, Jamie Barron, Sean Cooper, Doug James, and Joby Cerny. The producers of The Twilight Zone wish to thank CBS Enterprises and the Rod Serling Estate for making this series possible. This copyrighted radio series is produced and directed by Carl Amari for Falcon Picture Group. Sound design, custom Foley effects, recording, and editing are produced in the Cerny American Sound to Picture Theater by sound designers Craig Lee, Bob Benson, and Tim Cerny. Music for The Twilight Zone is provided by CBS and American Music Incorporated New York. To learn more about The Twilight Zone radio dramas and to download episodes, including six free episodes on our homepage, visit our official website at twilightzoneradio.com. Doug James speaking. You're listening to KCAA, Loma Linda, California. The best station in the nation. The greatest thing about America is Americans. Meet John Henderson and his family, environmental entrepreneurs. John's 18-year-old daughter worked at a dry cleaner's and would come home suffering from headaches, complaining about the smell of the fluid she worked with. You get a whiff of that fluid, too, every time you pick up your clothes from the cleaners. It's a toxic chemical called perchloroethylene, and it's linked to cancer. One whiff won't hurt you, but perk is a toxic that doesn't dissipate. Each whiff stays in your body, accumulating until, if you take enough whiffs, it can make you deathly ill. Worried about his daughter, John began to do some digging and came across a new technology called wet cleaning, which really is an updated version of what cleaners did before chemicals took over the industry years ago. Wet cleaning is the art of discerning what has soiled the clothes, grease, perspiration, spaghetti sauce, beer, or whatever, then applying the right biodegradable soap or degreaser to the garment, gently washing it at the proper temperature for that particular material, then gently drying it. John Henderson not only read about wet cleaning, he acted on it. With his son Wesley, he got a small business loan, and in 1997, they opened the first professional wet cleaning franchise in Austin, the Ecomat. Three years later, the Ecomat is working out financially for these entrepreneurs, but it's also a boon for customers. Clothes get cleaner and last longer, since there's no harsh chemicals that strip the natural oils out of the fiber. Also, since there's no need for the expensive chemicals and toxic disposal requirements of perk, wet cleaning is no more expensive, despite requiring more skilled labor. Plus, the air is free of toxic perk. 
This is Jim Hightower saying, it's not the high-paid corporate execs and hotshot politicians who make the progress for our country, but ordinary folks like the Hendersons. As Emerson said, common sense is genius dressed in his working clothes, and the Hendersons are common sense in action. KCAA and KCAA Internet Television, the station that leaves no listener and no viewer behind. Hi, this is Steve Allenart from Rancho Financial with the Mortgage Minute. With property values increasing, this might be the perfect time to do a loan checkup to see if it makes sense to refinance. Do you have an equity line? If your equity line is getting close to 10 years old, your payment is about to fully amortize. Coupled with the certainty that the Feds will soon increase short-term rates, there might be a substantial jump in payment on your line of credit. If we combine your current loan, equity line, and possibly even some of your credit debt, there could be a substantial reduction in what you have to pay each month. Do you have VA eligibility? VA will allow 100% cash out financing. This may be a perfect time to use your eligibility. We can go 85% cash out with FHA or 80% with a standard conventional loan. There are many possible options that could make a huge difference in your monthly payments. That's why you need a loan financial planner to provide you with all of your possible options. Give me a call, Steve Allidort, at 888-563-1070. That's 888-563-1070, or go to loanfinancialplanner.com. Mark, why the jingle bells? Christmas is five to six months away. Oh, but not for the children of Loma Linda University Children's Hospital. They're having Christmas in July. Brought to you by the Sons of the American Legion Squadron 155 and proudly sponsored by KCAA. See, some of these kids are undergoing treatment and they've been bedridden for weeks. Many are terminally ill. The goal is to get everyone involved to help bring smiles and hope to the children at Loma Linda Children's Hospital. Wow, sounds awesome. How can I help? It is awesome. And you can call 909-227-4849 to find out how to join in the fun and in the giving. 909-227-4849. That's 909-227-4849. It's the ninth annual Christmas in July motorcycle run and car show, Sunday, July 17th from 9 to noon. Brought to you by the Sons of the American Legion Squadron 155 and proudly sponsored by KCAA. Not too long ago, it felt good to withdraw your cash from the bank, didn't it? For a vacation or a new car. But today, withdrawing your own cash has become risky. Pat Boone here for Swiss America. According to The Secret War, a new Swiss America white paper, I learned that all banks are now required to spy on you and me for the government and then report any financial behavior deemed suspicious or unusual. You must read The Secret War. It's free. Thanks, Pat. Call toll-free 888-732-7164. That's 888-732-7164. Truth is, I believe the government's new war against cash is really a war against us all. But the secret is now out. So please, get and read The Secret War. Call now, 888-732-7164. 888-732-7164. And tell them you heard it on KCAA. Southern California's Inland Talk Express is KCAA. KCAA Radio now joins the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas, with Pastor David McNary. Well, Brother Terry, you convinced me. Thank you, by the way, for for a very wonderful music program and uh, worship time together. We're going to ask God to bless this. I actually was planning on preaching to you today the enemy's plan for the world. 
And uh, by the way, he does have one, and it's not good, just so you'll know. And I was going to preach tonight on on Second Chronicles 7.14. Brother Terry's already read it for us, and the keys to liberty and justice for all. And I just can't not do it. So we're going to go that way today. If you're in, the, if you have your Bible, turn to Second Chronicles 7:14. Already recited the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, and in the end of that, in the end of that statement, it says, "With liberty and justice for all." Well, you know what? I think every one of us want that. We want liberty. We want that freedom that God offers to us or that we can know and experience in this country. We still have a little, okay? Hang on to what we've got and let's get back what we've lost, okay? Let's do that. But I want us to talk about and think about why we have that liberty. Why is it that we have that freedom that we have? Well, I want to tell you something. It's because our nation was founded and built upon the principles of the Word of God. First of all, I'm going to read that Scripture for you again. It's in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse, uh, verse 14. He says, if my people, God says, God says, this is God's words. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will hear all the way from heaven and will forgive their sin, and will heal, and will heal their land. And I want us to look at the thoughts. There's two very pronounced sections in this Scripture. The first part deals with what is expected of God's children, and the second part deals with what God promises to do in response to the faithfulness of His children. Now, we're talking about His children here, okay? We're talking about those who are believers in Christ. He said, if my people which are called by my name. Now I want to tell you something. There are a lot of folks out there that are not called by the name of God. They don't know God. They're not a part of God's family. But as Christians, as believers in Christ, we are a part of God's family. So this part deals with what God promises to do for us. And God's part says that He promises... God promises that He will hear our prayer, that He will forgive our sin, and that He will heal our land. Now, if you take those parts and you come to recognize that our land is in trouble today, if it needs healing, it's because we haven't been doing our part. He'll hear our prayer, He'll forgive our sin, and He'll heal our land. Now, you, you recall whenever old Jonah didn't want to do what God wanted him to do, so he went down and bought him a ticket and got on board a boat. He thought, mm-hmm, God, I'll see you later. I'm going for a ride. I'm going to get away from you. I don't want to do what you've told me to do. And so he got on board the boat, got out in the middle of the ocean or out in the middle of the sea, and the waves built up and the wind was blowing, and all of the other guys were praying, and old Jonah was going, uh-oh, <laughs> Jonah knew exactly what was going on. God was bringing judgment on the whole boat because of his sin. So finally he said, look, guys, if y'all just throw me overboard, here's my way out, suicide, okay? Y'all just throw me overboard and everything will be fine. So they did. They threw him overboard and everything was fine. And God said, okay, Jonah, biggest fish tail you ever heard. Jonah, look out. You're going for a ride in a place where you don't want to be. And he did. 
And God changed him. Listen, folks, I want to tell you something. There's sin in the camp. Now, it goes beyond, it goes beyond anything that you can imagine. But there's sin in the camp, and that's the reason that our country is in the condition that it's in. But God promises that He will heal our land if His people, listen, all it takes is the people of God. It means the people of God here today. It means the people of God in this city, in this community, in this state, and throughout this nation. But the people of God have to get together and pray. I don't think it's necessary for me to remind you that our great nation has its problems. I mean, you know, little problems like immorality, abortion, war, racism, violence, terrorism, immigration, addition, and extremism. Listen, all of those things are problems. They're problems that we that we allow to be problems. God doesn't want them to be problems for us. He wants to take care of it. And so what we have to do is come back to the one who can make a difference, who can make a difference in our land. I want to talk to you today about the keys to liberty and justice for all. Remember, we're the key as the children of God. The first key then is pridelessness. He says, humble themselves. Folks, in order to achieve humility, we must see ourselves in light of who God is. You know, we're taught and we're trained to be proud. Uh, it talks about being a proud American, and I am a, a proud American, but there's sometimes that we need, to, we need to humble ourselves. And the way you do that is to see yourself in light of who God is. You want to get real proud, walk up before the King Almighty and stand before Him. And listen, folks, I want to tell you something that I think that, I think that we miss. I don't know how we do it, but we do it regularly, and that is when we come into the Lord's house to worship, let me tell you something. He's here. He's here. We find ourselves into the very, in the very presence of Almighty God whenever we come into the Lord's house. Now, you don't have to come into the Lord's house to experience that, but when we come together on the Lord's day to worship God, it's not about me, it's not about you, it's all about Him, and that's why we're here today. Isaiah had a vision of God in Isaiah 6. When he found himself in the presence of God and the angels, he cried these words. He said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Here's the reason that he sensed all of that. He wouldn't have said it ten minutes before, but the reason he sensed all of that is because he says he says this. He says, For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He said, I've been allowed the privilege to be found in the presence of Almighty God. Now, you can't do that and live. You know that, right? You can't do that and live. But he said, I've been in the presence of Almighty God. He had this, he had this vision and he saw God. And he also saw himself in a true light. And when he saw himself in, in, in the presence of God in a true light, he was humbled. The Apostle John had a vision of Christ. And it's recorded in, in the book of the Revelation, the first chapter. He wrote, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. That was on Sunday, okay? I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, 
I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Listen, he was in the presence of Jesus. And just as in the case of Isaiah, John's experience in the presence of Christ caused him to see himself in light of who Christ is, in light of who God is. And whenever we see him, see ourselves in light of who they are, we are we are humbled. James wrote, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Don't do it yourself. Let him do it. He wants to and he will. So the first key to liberty and justice for all is pridelessness or humility. The second key is prayer. The second key is prayer. Brother Terry talked about that a while ago. The second key is prayer. He said, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and pray. Folks, I believe that prayer is one of the most valuable but least tapped sources of strength available to the child of God. There are few of God's people today who really take the matter of prayer seriously. There are few. I've only known a few in my lifetime. My wife is one of them, by the way, so if you need some somebody to pray for you, She's in touch with the Lord. I want you to know that. I knew a, a missionary lady one time. I was doing a camp. I was a camp pastor one time out in West Texas, and this missionary lady. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He was there. It was uh, for, a, for an acting camp, in fact, a teenage girls camp. And she was there, and I want you to know that when you walked into her presence and you could sense the presence of God there because she was in constant mode of prayer. One morning, I, uh, she stayed in the other side of the cabin that I was in. It was a, it, there was four rooms in the cabin, and, and she was in the other side. And I came out one morning to go, we had to go get that cup of coffee. And I was going to go get that cup of coffee, and I came out. She was out in the living room. She was sitting and I don't know, listen, I want to tell you something. I don't know for sure if it was the way the light was coming in the window or if she was glowing. She never even knew I was around. But it was as if I saw a halo around her and over her. She was a prayer warrior. I had a lady in my church when I was pastor in Big Spring. Was a prayer warrior. You walk into her house, go to visit, knock on the door, and she'd say, come on in. Now, the only thing I hated about it was she had one of those Dearborn heaters and she was always cold. So it was always, it was always lit. But you'd walk in and she'd say, come in and have a seat. Would you like something to drink? Let's pray. Just like that. 
Let's pray. Folks, there are a few people like that in our culture today. And we demonstrate our lack of faith in prayer by our lack of activity in prayer. Somebody say amen. James wrote, You have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Three reasons why your needs or desires go unmet. Number one, because you haven't taken the time or expended the energy to ask God. You know, oh, God already knows what I need. Yeah, but He likes to hear you talk. Okay? Secondly, when you have asked, you've asked selfishly. You know what that means? That means, oh, listen, God, I know that, I know that this may not help somebody else, but please do this for me. You know, this is what I want, God. Doesn't matter about anybody else. And then finally, your prayer has been offered with the wrong motive. With the wrong motive. Always to consume it upon your own lust. Always for selfish, uh, selfishly and self-needs. So the second key to liberty and justice for all, that means everybody, the second key to liberty and justice for all is prayer. Key number three is persistence. Persistence. Persistence requires a continuing effort. It requires a faithful patience. You all remember that word, right? Patience. That's that thing that we don't have, you know? That's that thing that we really all need, but we don't have. And we don't pray and ask God for it because we know that, that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. So, you know, we don't want to go through the tribulation. God said, seek my face. Now, do you think that he meant one time? No, he didn't mean one time. He meant continually. He wants us to seek him continually, every day, moment by moment, as we go through our lives. He wants to bless us. He wants to do great things in our lives and for us. And so he wants us to seek him day by day. We can learn a great deal about persistence from some of the Old Testament characters. You remember the persistence of Abraham whenever he was pleading for Sodom. you remember that story? He began to talk to God. God told him he was fixing to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Abraham said, wait a minute, Lord. He asked God this question. He said, because he knew what the answer was. He knew God's answer. Wilt thou destroy the righteous with the wicked? God, we know that there's bound to be some righteous people there. Are you going to destroy the good folks with the bad folks? And so God, I think God kind of, I think maybe God kind of chuckled a little bit. Said, no, 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 go ahead. What's your, what's your plan? What's your plan over there, Abraham? Let, just tell me what your plan is. And so he began to plead with God and he began to bargain with God. And he said, would you, would you destroy all of them for the sake, uh, even, even if there were 50 righteous people? No, no. If there's 50 righteous people there, I won't do it. He goes down and he bargains his way down, all the way down to 10. He said, well, God, don't get angry with me now, God. But if there's only 10 righteous people in the community, in the area, in the two cities, are you still going to destroy it? Nope, I won't destroy it if there's 10. And we're talking about two giant cities, okay? Two giant cities. There were not 10 believers in the two cities. 
And we're not sure really how many of the four that got out. In fact, God said, look, I'll, I'll even do better than that, Abraham. I'm going to go rescue those people that you say are righteous people. And so he, he went and sent in his two men and they went in and got Lot and his wife and his two daughters and brought them out. And his wife was so taken aback by having to leave her city. You recall the story. She turned and she looked back. Don't look back, God said. Why? Because he was fixing to do some damage. That's why. Don't look back. But she couldn't stand it. She had to look back. She wanted to see if there was going to be any opportunity for her to return to the lights of the city. And the Bible says that God turned her to a pillar of salt. And if you go to the Holy Land now, they will pass by this pillar of salt. They'll say, there's Lot's wife. Today, they'll tell you that. Now, is it her? I don't know. I wouldn't say that that's true. But, you know, it could be because it really, really happened. Listen, Abraham was persistent. He bargained with God. He took a chance. What about Jacob's experience that's with it, we read about in Genesis 32, it's, it's in verses 24 through 30, as he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. He wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And even after being injured, he persisted until God blessed him, saying, As a prince hast thou power with God, and hast prevailed, and hast prevailed. And so he asked, he asked Jacob, and he said, What's your name? He said, My name is Jacob. And he said, No longer will you be called Jacob, but from here out you'll be called Israel. And Jacob said, Well, what's your name? And he said, Why do you ask after my name? And from that point forward, Jacob believed, in fact, that he had wrestled with God. He had wrestled with God. It says it in the Scripture. Not making that up, folks. So the third key to liberty and justice for all is persistence. Don't, listen, don't give up. I know that there's some people here today that say there's not anybody to vote for in the election coming in November. I don't want to vote for either one of them. Don't want, you know, I don't want any of them in there. Well, let me just tell you something. If you don't vote for the one that believes most the way you believe, then you're voting for the other one. A no vote is a vote for the opponent. So pick out one and go. I want to tell you something. If all of the believers in Christ in this nation would go to the polls, we could take the whole thing for the glory of God. But Christian people don't go. Don't. If He said, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then he said, I'll hear you. I'll hear you all the way up in heaven and I'll answer your prayer. He said, and I'll forgive your sins and I'll heal your land. The fourth key that he talks about here is, you know, I, I've been trying to stay with, with the peace, pridelessness, persistence, prayer. And the fourth one then is penitence. Okay, you like the word penitence? Who here knows what penitence means? That's what I thought. Repentance is another word. We're familiar with that word repentance. God says, listen, because it's, it's probably stated more clearly here than anywhere in the Bible. If my people shall turn from their wicked ways. That's what repentance means. It means to turn. You see, if you're walking down this aisle and you repent of that, you'll turn around and go back that way. 
And see, that's what has to happen for us. We have to turn away from our sins. Listen, what we need to do regularly is come to this altar, lay your sins at the altar, and get up and turn and go the other way. Leave them behind you. You see, our problem I found and discovered throughout the, a few years of, of ministry I've discovered that what people do is they come down the aisle during the invitation, they got this load of sin, and they carry it down here, and they kneel down. I, I've watched them won't do this on TV, so I know how it's done, you see. They kneel down, and they take that big old backpack off, and they lay it down there, and they pray and ask God to forgive their sins, and then they, they're ready to go, and they go, you got to leave it there. Listen, God will get rid of it if you leave it there. I want to tell you something. This altar ought to be covered at the end of the service, ought to be covered with the biggest mess you ever saw of all your sins and all my sins. It ought to be covered. But I want to tell you something. Kathy won't have to clean it up. God will. He comes and takes it. He casts it into the depths of the sea. As far as the east is from the west, that's what God does with our sins. If we'll repent of our sins, if we'll bring them to Him, Find forgiveness and allow Him to take it away. Confession coupled with turning away from and leaving behind establishes and refreshes and renews our relationship between the holy God and the sinful man. Simple as that. The trouble with humankind in our culture is we just don't take sin seriously. We don't take sin seriously. I thought about this very thing. Yesterday I was watching a... Mayberry, Andy Griffith, and oh, what, what, what's his name? What's old drunk's name? Otis. Otis comes in. He's all tanked up, you know. Well, that's the funniest thing you ever see, isn't it? But why is it funny? Well, it's funny because he's a character playing a part. But I want to tell you something. It's not funny when our teenagers or our adults, or our young adults, or our college-age students, or our senior adults, get like that. They may act funny. They may say funny things and do funny things. But then the next thing you know, they're liable to turn around and beat their children or shoot their wife. My first church down in Big Spring. Hadn't been there three weeks and had another pastor call me and say, you got a church member going on trial. And I said, do what? He said, you got a church member fixing to go on trial. And I said, for what? And he said he went, took all the money that he could find, and he went to the bar and got all drunk, got all tanked up, ran out of money, and he went home and started beating his wife around, knocking her around, telling him he wanted her money and she wouldn't give it to him. She was holding a child that was maybe old enough to walk and whenever she said she didn't have any more money or wouldn't give it to him he reached up on top of the refrigerator and took down a shotgun and shot her dead now if you don't think that alcohol's bad then when you get to heaven find her and tell her you see we laugh and joke and make fun about sinners and their sin and Rather than listening to what God says about sin in His Word, we shake our fists in the face of God declaring our independence. I want to tell you something. When you come to the end of your life, you don't want to be independent from God. You don't want to be independent from God. 
So God's four keys to the survival of liberty and justice that we enjoy are humility, pridelessness, prayer, persistence, and penitence or repentance. A long time ago, Herbert Hoover said this, the new order, new freedom, new day, new outlook, new epoch, new economy, new deal, new religion, new liberalism, new war, new policy. We have overworked this word new in trying to get out of misery from hot and cold wars with intervals of hot and cold peace. He said the practical thing, if we want to make the world over, is to try out the word old for a while. Some old things made this country. Some old things are slipping. And if they slip too far, the light will go out of America. Old virtues, religious faith, whole truth, integrity, honor in public office, honor in public office, economy and government, individual liberty, and willingness to sacrifice. He said, we have a cancerous growth of the intellectual dishonesty in public life. Our great danger is, our great danger is suicide by complacence with evil. Suicide by complacence with evil. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. We hold the keys. My believers, my Christian friends, we hold the keys. We hold the keys. Humble yourself. Pray. Seek the face of God. And turn from your wicked ways. God will hear. And God will answer. And God will heal. Father, thank you today for the Word of God. Thank you, Father, that, that sometimes very simply you just lay out your plan. And dear Father, we know that we have a, a great and wonderful and, and beautiful place to live. Help us, Father, to take care of it. Help us to take care of it by talking to you about it. Help us to spend more time in praying for our nation and for our leaders. And dear Father God, we would pray that for those leaders who don't have the best interest of the people of this country, we pray that, Lord, you'd take them out. By whatever means you see fit, God, we ask you to remove them from their place and replace them with people who will stand upon the principles of the Word of God no matter what. Now, Lord, we thank you that you love us, that you care about us, and you want your best for us. Help us to offer to you our very best for your praise and glory. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You are listening to the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas with Pastor David McNary. All right, I appreciate the great music today and uh, the privilege that we have to be in the Lord's house. Folks, we need to remember to thank God over and over again for that privilege.
It may not always be that way, just like it is in other places around the world where the gospel can't be preached, where people cannot gather in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we need to give thanks to the Lord for that privilege. If you have a Bible with you today, turn with me please to Mark chapter 4, the fourth chapter of the book of Mark. And I'll tell you that, and then I'm going to turn to another passage, and I'm going to read this for you. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The throne of grace. Of this great verse, the old preacher evangelist G. Campbell Morgan said, In the time of need, in the time of need, is a colloquialism of which the nick of time is the exact equivalent. The scripture would read that we may have grace to help in the nick of time. Grace just when I need it, he says. You are attacked by temptation in the moment of assault. You look to him and the grace is there to help in the nick of time. No postponement of your petition until the evening hour of prayer. But there, man, there in the city street with the flaming temptation in front of you, turn to Christ with a cry for help, and the grace will be there in the nick of time. The title of our subject today is this. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. And I believe this subject today to be critical because we are all too often failing to realize that the same grace which was available and is available to save a person from their sin and from the eternal wrath of God is sufficient for the whole journey of our life. For the whole journey of our life. I don't know how it is, but sometimes we, once we make a profession of faith in Christ, once we call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, somehow or another we slip back and we slip away and somehow or another it seems like that that, that part of our life is just a point in time. And for many, many people, it doesn't affect the rest of their life. They just go right on doing things business as usual, as we would say. But I want you to know that God's grace is sufficient for the whole journey of a person's life. Now, I want you to look at the scripture. It's Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. And it says this. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest not that we perish? <laughs> and he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? Why is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Well, he is the master of the wind. He is the master of the sea. Not only is he master, but he is maker. Okay? He is maker and creator. So what is grace? Well, let me give you a definition. Grace is that infinite part of God's love which provides appeasement for the sin of man through Christ's death on the cross. 
Paul wrote, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, he didn't wait for us to get good. I've had a lot of people before when I talk to them about faith in Christ and want to share with them faith in Christ. And they say, well, I got to get my life straightened out. No, you don't. Well, I, I'm not good enough for God. No, you're not, but you can't do anything about that without him. Okay? So the truth is that we must come to faith in Christ first. He is the one who died. He died for us while we were sinners. He didn't wait for us to get good. He didn't wait for us to love him. He didn't wait for us to even care whether he existed or not. He still died. He died for us. Folks, God's love is the source of his saving grace, and that grace is sufficient for every test, for every task, for every temptation, and for every trial of this earthly life. It's sufficient for everything that you've gone through or that you will go through in this earthly life. First thing I want you to notice today is His grace is sufficient for the start. His grace is sufficient for the start. He said to His disciples, let us pass over to the other side. He said, okay, we're going to start this journey. We're going to go from point A to point B. We're going to go from here to yonder. From here to yonder. He said, we're going to go. And so they began that journey of an uncertain amount of time and an uncertain distance. Folks, I want to tell you something. This is the exact same offer that Jesus makes to every earthborn human. He invites us to join him in the journey to his father's kingdom. He invites us to get in the boat with him and go with him to glory. You recall the story of the rich man and Lazarus. It's found in Luke chapter 16. I'm not going to read it there for you, but you can read it later. Luke chapter 16, 25 and 26. In that scripture, Abraham spoke to the rich man about a great gulf. He says this great gulf separates you from us. He said it separates you from Lazarus and myself. You you are separated. We're separated. And I know that he was speaking of specifically of heaven and hell at that point, but it is very symbolic of the great gulf that separates humankind, mankind, sinful man from the holy, one and only holy God. Now, despite that great separation as a result of sin, Jesus offers to me, he offers to you, he offers to every man, every woman, every little boy, every little girl, an opportunity through faith to board his vessel, which is destined for the other side. What is the other side? The other side is the promised land. The other side is heaven. Whatever you want to call it, you just you just uh, just call it whatever. But we have to join him in his boat. Now I want to I want to tell you something. There's only one. Okay. There's only one. There's only one Savior of the world. He's Jesus Christ. The one and only, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is the only one. Don't get in any other boat, okay? Because any other boat is the wrong boat. Any other way is the broad way, as the Scripture says. It's the broad way, and it leads to destruction. Over in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, Paul writes, For by grace are you saved through faith. For by what? 
grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that any man should boast. Now, I think it's important to realize that he uses two words. He uses the word grace, and he uses the word gift. Grace and gift. You see, a gift is something that is undeserved, and grace is what God does for us even though we don't deserve it. Even though we don't deserve it. And so he gives to us, through his grace, he gives to us everlasting or eternal, eternal life. So the invitation is offered to every person to pass from death to life. Jesus said in John 5, 24, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Do what? Everlasting life? What's he talking about? We know that we live out our lives here on this earth and that one day we're going to die. I say that the Lord Jesus comes back first. But we're going we're gonna to die. What's he talking about? Well, he says to us that we can have everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Now, what does that mean? Well, what he tells us over in, in the book of Titus, he tells us that, that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. You see, you don't, you don't have to do anything to be dead. You're already dead. That's the thing about it. Whenever we're born, we're basically dying, uh, not only a natural death, but a spiritual death until we come to faith in Jesus Christ. At the point we come to faith in Jesus Christ, he writes our name in the Lamb's book of life, and it remains there forever. Folks, his grace, his grace is sufficient for the start of your own personal spiritual journey. Number two, his grace is sufficient for the storm. His grace is sufficient for the storm. The scripture says, and there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And they said, Master, carest not that we perish? Okay, Jesus, you're back there asleep. You're taking a good rest. You're having a good time. We're up here and we're fighting this water. We're, we're bailing water out of this ship, but it's fixing to go down. Don't you even care. Jesus, are you paying attention to what's going on out here? You know what? I noticed that it doesn't say anything about, okay, Jesus, we're going overboard. I guess you just go down with the ship. They weren't concerned about Jesus at all. Did you notice that? They just wanted him to help. Now, when they, when they got his help, scared him to death, but they wanted his help. Now, there's a great lesson, I think, to be learned here. Folks, just because you have Jesus in your boat, that does not mean that your sea of life will be storm-free. Okay? Doesn't mean there will never be any storms. Yes, there will. There will be many storms. Storms often come. And even in the lives of faithful servants of God, you'll see them facing storms. And often they come to develop our character. Oftentimes they come in our lives to develop faith. But those storms, those storms will come. Sometimes I think just as in the case of the disciples, we think the Lord isn't paying attention. I, that's what I took from this passage of scripture that they were saying to him, you're not paying attention, you know. Well, listen, he's the one who made it and created it, and he's the one who tells the wind what to do, so he was in charge anyway. But I think sometimes we just think the Lord's not paying attention, and we're afraid, and finally we call on him, and when we call on the Lord out of our fear, 
he whispers, peace be still. Now, get the picture. You, you've, have you been in, ever been in a storm? Yeah, you live in Texas, you've been in a storm. You've been in a storm, you ever hear the wind howling? It's interesting, sometimes in the cold, in the cold winter, I'll, I'll notice we're over in the fellowship hall and I'll hear the wind whistling around that door on the north side. Whenever the wind blows and it howls, it makes a great noise. You would think that Jesus would have to shout it. Stop wind! But he didn't. Because the wind obeys the voice of the maker. The wind obeys the voice of the creator. He just said, peace be still. You know, he could have thought the words. He didn't have to say them. He could have thought the words and the result would have been the same. Folks, no matter how many storms may come in the course of your life, I want you to know that his grace is always sufficient. You have to trust him. I read a story about a, about a minister who lost his little child. His little child was, was killed in some horrible accident. He was sitting in his office, and as any, any good parent would do, his grief was great for his loss. And as he sat at his desk, he glanced through tear-filled eyes at a plaque on his desk. It was a plaque which had been his motto for ministry throughout the years. And it very simply said, My grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient for thee. And on that particular plaque, the word is was in all caps and bold. My grace is sufficient for thee. After reading the statement, he looked at it and it reminded him and then he looked at it again and after he read it the second time, he began to pray and he said, Lord, let thy grace be sufficient for me. And it seemed as if he heard uh, an audible voice in his ears which said, why ask for that which is? I cannot make my grace more sufficient than I have already made it. All right, here it is. Believe it and you will find it sufficient. Believe it and you will find it sufficient. You see, there's so many of us who try to attach this world to God. The only way he's attached to this world is he is the creator and the ruler of it. But we want to attach the things of this world to God. We want, we want him to show it to us. We talk about, about putting out the fleece and, and wanting to see God and wanting God to do whatever God wants to do, but we want to see him at work. But the Lord chooses to do his work through faith by believing him and we have to trust him we have to believe him he said it and by the way he says it in his word just in case you're wondering he told paul that my grace that my grace is sufficient for thee folks i want to tell you something right here is where grace collides with faith now i want to tell you something when grace and faith collide good things happen good things happen We've, we experience on occasions that occurrence whenever a young person comes to faith in Christ and calls upon the name of the Lord. Listen, without grace it wouldn't happen. Without faith it wouldn't happen. They have to be together. You see, grace is God's part in the offering of the gift. 
Faith is your part where you accept the gift. You take the gift. The gift is, uh, it, become, it really becomes yours and it is the gift of eternal life. And so when faith and grace get together, great things happen. Miracles happen. There is life where there was once death. Look what Jesus said to his disciples when they feared for their lives. He said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You see, the problem was not with the sufficiency of the grace of God, but the deficiency of the faith of man. And we all at times are deficient in our faith. When Paul prayed to the Lord about his infirmity, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Jesus said, it's even better for you when you have an infirmity, when you have a shortcoming, when there's something missing, it's better for you because he said, in your imperfection, my grace and my strength is made perfect. And it's when we come to that place that we come to realize that it is God only God, that it's not me doing anything, but me surrendering to God and him taking over and doing everything. Number three, God's grace is sufficient not only for the start, not only for the storms, but His grace is also sufficient for the stretch. Notice again verse 35. What did Jesus say? I want you to notice this. Listen, I hope you didn't miss it. We read before. Jesus said, let us pass over to the other side. Let us pass over to the other side. Folks, Jesus is God's son and he cannot fail. And he says that he's passing over to the other side. You can be sure that is exactly what he's going to do. And if you are on board with him, you will pass over to the other side also. It's not a matter of figuring it out from here on down. It's a matter of taking his grace right here by faith and getting on board. Taking your ticket to get on board is faith. And so you have to accept him, come to him through faith. And when you do so, you get on board. And I want to tell you something you can be sure of. And that is you're going to arrive at the destination he's going to no matter what. <laughs> you may fall overboard nine times, but you'll get there. You may stumble around and make mistakes, but you're still going to arrive at the other side. You see, when Jesus made his original offer and invited you to get aboard his ship of salvation, included in the invitation was safe passage. Included in that invitation was safe passage. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. There's not any kind of mode of transportation in the world today that can promise safe passage. They'll do their best, they'll try, but they cannot guarantee safe passage. In this one instance, you are guaranteed safe passage. You remember Noah? The scripture says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah what? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What does that mean? That means Noah wasn't perfect, but he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He, he worshiped the Lord. He served God. He did the best that he could. The scripture says that God saved him and his family from death and annihilation. God saved him. Hebrews 11, 7. Now listen, please listen to this. Talking about Noah again. Hebrews 11, 7 says, by faith. Okay, he's already 
found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It says, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. Never happened this way before. He did what he was told. It says he moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Became heir of righteousness which is by faith. Not good works. Not commandment keeping. Not law keeping. Not any of those other things. Not by church membership, but by faith. We have this guarantee, my friends. When we come to God through faith in Jesus, we begin a journey in which heaven is the final destination. And when you get on board, you will arrive. That's why Jesus said, why are you so fearful? You know, it was like he could say, didn't I tell you in the beginning that we're going to the other side? Why are you so fearful? Why is it that you have no faith? I told you from the beginning, I'm going over yonder. And if you're in here with me, you're going over there too. Folks, God says, my grace is sufficient for thee. It's sufficient for the start of your spiritual journey for his grace coupled with your faith in the one who died for you as your ticket to heaven. It is sufficient for the storms of your spiritual journey. While heaven is your final destination, there will be troubles along the way, but he can take care of you through those things. And it is sufficient for the stretch of your spiritual journey because God's grace will go God's grace will go with you from the beginning to the end, from the start to the stretch. <clears throat> to each and every person today, Jesus offers this invitation. Let us pass over to the other side. You want to pass over to the other side? You have to get on board with Jesus. He's the only one. He's the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In other words, there's no way for a person to get to God or to get to heaven except through faith in Jesus Christ. You might say, but preacher, I don't know how to start. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, or Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, just like I told the little children a while ago. But preacher, the storms of this life are just too unbearable. Yes, they are when you face them alone. But there is no storm that the grace of God cannot see you through. But preacher, I'm tired and I just cannot make the stretch. He doesn't expect you to. Remember, you got on board with Jesus and he's going to the other side. And you're with him, so you'll arrive there too. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. That's the promise of the one who cannot lie. Somebody said there's only one thing God can't do, and that's lie. He can't lie. 
He can't lie. He'll never break a promise. And that's his promise. Will you get on board with Jesus today? I know that there's a lot of people here today, probably most of us here today are already believers in Jesus Christ. You've already made that initial step. You've already begun the journey. You've started with Jesus. But maybe you're going through storms today. Maybe there's things that are happening in your, in your life that you don't understand, or, or worse than that, things that are happening in your life that you just don't have any control over. We hate that. Listen, especially men. We hate it when we can't be in charge. Give me the remote. You know, I want to be in charge. And we hate it when we can't be in charge. And we hate it when there are things that, that we have no control over. A family member is sick or, or hurting or having, having struggles, having problems, and we can't fix it. Let me tell you something. God is the fixer of trials and troubles and problems and, and discouragement and struggles and all the things that we have in our life, the storms in our life. And, you know, maybe you just need a little encouragement today. I want you to know His grace is sufficient for whatever you're going through. But you have to believe it. And you have to trust Him to handle it. Father, thank You for the day. Thank You, Lord, for the privilege of being in the Lord's house. And Father, for the opportunities we've had to read Your Word. And dear God, I pray that we might glean from Your Word those things that would help to make us more like Jesus. I pray, Father, today for anyone who's here who's never called upon the name of the Lord. They've never, they've never started. They've never taken that first initial step of faith to believe and trust and receive the gift of God's grace, which is eternal life. Dear Lord, I pray that you will speak to the heart of every person who's in that condition today. Help them to realize that you love them. You love them so much that you paid the price for their sins so they don't have to. And that, dear Father, you'll give to them the gift of eternal life if they'll just believe in Jesus and trust Him as personal Savior and the Lord of their life. Now, Father, speak to our hearts today, God. Help us to be paying attention. Help us to see You at work in our lives. Help us to make the commitments that, Father, You're calling on us to make. And may it be done for Your praise and glory. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas with Pastor David McNary. A podcast of the service is available on demand at the KCAA website at www.kcaaradio.com. To listen to the service at any time, go to the KCAA Sunday schedule and click the podcast link under the image of Pastor McNary. The Pruitt Baptist Church is located at 9908 State Highway 110 in Van, Texas. The Sunday worship schedule includes Bible study at 9.45 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m., and evening worship at 6 p.m. For more information about the Pruitt Baptist Church, visit their website at www.pruittbaptistchurch.com or call 903-963-7473. This is 1050 AM KCAA Loma Linda and 106.5 FM Yucaipa. This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Are you a job seeker or looking to change careers? We've got advice from the Dean of Career Development. 
His advice has helped millions to career success. What's changed since 2008, the Great Recession, is that people have to go back and rethink, well, what are the best strategies and maybe unlearn things they thought were for sure. Then, we live in an age of overindulgence. If you make life too easy for your kids, how will it affect them as adults? Their biggest complaint was, I don't know what's enough of anything. I don't know when to stop. I don't know when to shut it off. I don't know when to move to something else. Those two stories and much more are heading your way on this week's edition of InfoTrack. Our show begins right after this. If you've got a business or you've dreamed of starting one, I want to take a quick moment here to mention a free guide with 36 business power tools proven to boost sales, increase income, simplify your life, and give you better results. Best of all, BrightBiz is giving it away free, absolutely free. Just visit freebusinesstoolbox.com to grab yours. That's freebusinesstoolbox.com. I'm Dan Jaffe, CEO of Cat's Pride Fresh and Light Premium Cat Litter. Ever wonder why your cat likes to scratch? We'll look into it after this. Hi, I'm Katherine Heigl, film and television actress and producer and CEO of the Jason Debus Heigl Foundation. A supporter of animal rights, our foundation is excited to announce our partnership with Cat's Pride Cat Litter. Cat's Pride has always been a major supporter of the organizations like the American Humane Association and the Anti-Cruelty Society. And today, a portion of every sale of Cat's Pride Fresh and Light Ultimate Care will be donated to support our work protecting the rights and eliminating the needless suffering of animals in shelters across the country. It's great litter and it supports a great cause. Cats don't scratch furniture to be disobedient. They scratch to mark their territory. It's also a good way to sharpen their claws. So don't discourage Kitty's normal feline instincts. Instead, make the item she's been clawing unappealing physically or by scent. Then, get a scratching post and let her indulge that cat scratch fever. Log on to CatsPride.com to download coupons and be sure to join the Cats Pride Club. I have to get to sleep. Tom had a stressful day, and now he can't shut down at bedtime. Need sleep. To fall asleep fast, millions of people turn to Unisom Sleep Gels. They're non-habit-forming and quickly help you sleep soundly so you wake recharged. Mm. Tom? (sighs) Unisom Sleep Gels. A stressful day deserves a restful night. Use as directed. Active ingredient diphenhydramine hydrochloride. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. There are plenty of job seekers out there, some looking for employment, others looking to change careers. Our next guest is a real expert on the topic. He's Richard Ann Bowles, author of the longtime bestseller, What Color Is Your Parachute?, and now author of two new books that we're going to talk about. Well, as if selling 10 million books in 20 languages wasn't enough, you've just released two new career books. What Color Is Your Parachute Guide to Rethinking Resumes? And What Color Is Your Parachute Guide to Rethinking Interviews? Let's start with resumes. I assume you'd say it's still essential for a job seeker to have a resume? Nope. Oh, it's not. (laughs) The thing that people are losing during this long period of recovery from the 2008 crash or minor recession, major recession, Mm -hmm. is they've lost hope. And hope depends on your having alternatives, so you don't put all your eggs in one basket. 
in rethinking resumes, one has to say, what is a resume good for? Well, the answer is it's supposed to get you an interview. It's not supposed to get you a job, but a resume is supposed to get you invited in for an interview. Now, it isn't working too well. So a lot of people are sending out resumes by the bushel and nothing.